0: Morning, everyone. So lovely to see you all. If you've got a Bible, turn to Psalm 23. Um, So we are, and uh, again, welcome everyone online. If you're joining us live or on catch up, you're as welcome here with us. And we start a new series next Sunday called Faith Works. Do you see what we did there? Faith works. It's the Book of James. And the preaching teaching team spent time as we do over months praying and listening and talking and trying to discern what God's doing in the church and we thought with the autumn after coming we hope we're coming out of Covid in many ways. It's just the most amazing book that the Lord's led us to that talks about how to be God's people. It's a pastoral book. It's a book about how to live as God's people in difficult times. But it's also a book about faith. And God's power and God's presence. Um, so I hope you're going to join us with that. Um, and again, and if you're watching this online and you haven't joined us here in person, next Sunday's a good opportunity to jump into that here. We'll still have safety measures here, but all the things that you heard about happening here. And we hope that when you're ready, you want to, you can join us in person. But we love seeing you online and we love seeing you here in person. Um, and it is a big day next Sunday. Um, One of the things pastors are apt to do in a very bad way is compare their churches with other churches. Like we all compare, don't we? The sizes of our house, the holidays on Facebook. Have you been comparing yours with other people's on Facebook? Um, We compare wrongly. But I've been talking to many pastor friends and they've been telling me about the challenges in their church. And one of the things is in our church, we can find ourselves thinking, well, this is just our church what's, we don't know what's going on in others and I can tell you most churches every in fact every pastor I've spoken to are facing the monumental challenge of their people regathering people just disappeared not knowing where people are people still fearful and trying to care for their communities I was talking to my cousin yesterday my uncle died at 93 one of the Christians in my family a wonderful godly man who's now with the Lord And I just said to him, what's it like at your church? And he just immediately listed all the things I'd heard. We haven't got teams for kids and youth and Sundays. and So all I want to say is we're doing really well as a church. And that's not being boastful. It's just saying, God, we're a wonderful community. And for those of you who have stepped up over the summer, thank you for that. For those of you who have said you'll help in the autumn... And there are lots of good reasons why you haven't been able to until now. Thank you. Because this is vital as part of our church. So it's going to be a wonderful thing to celebrate next Sunday. And I hope you have reset around uh, seeing people this summer. Looks like on Facebook many of you have. And holidays and time away with family. And I hope that's been wonderful. But we went into the summer with an invitation from the Lord to reset around him. And that's why we've used the Psalms for the last few months and Psalm 23 to go through August together with the invitation to reset around the Lord and Jesus. And I wanted to begin with a question for us. How's that reset going for you? And the most important thing is to be honest. It might be that coming out of COVID, seeing friends and family, Jesus is further away than ever. You meant to reset but you haven't quite for some reason. All the things that were difficult before are just as difficult now. And the Lord wants you to know this. He still wants you to reset around him. He loves us and is for us. The most important thing is just to be honest with him about where we're at with him. And this is, I believe, a moment in history for those who know the Lord to rediscover him. It has to be. Do you believe that God is sovereign? Do you believe that he was taken by surprise with COVID? Do you think he was taken by surprise with any plague that ever happened before, or any war that ever happened, or anything? No, he's not surprised. So this has to be a moment in which God has purposes for us. This is a little aside from my talk, but one of the things I've been leaning into, especially when we were looking, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Any of you around and remember that a couple of weeks ago? that God brings us alive in adversity. He allows adversity to come to us because it's only in adversity when we come alive and step into our inheritance and our purposes for him. And somewhere along the line, we believe the lie of the enemy, which is God is absent when there is no adversity in my life. And it's not true at all. Though I walk through the valley. Time and time again, Jesus promised us that to follow him was not to be comfortable, but for adversity. I was even noticing this with, um, this is a little aside. You're going to go there with me. You're right with this. Samuel, sorry, Samson. Sam, do you know when the Holy Spirit fell upon Samson and he manifested the power that was within him? It wasn't when he was at home watching Netflix. It was the first time he entered enemy territory. The first time he faced adversity. He kills a lion. And in the adversity of killing the lion, then there is, do you remember the honey and the sweetness? There is always sweetness that comes from adversity. And I felt, I've got a few words to share with you this morning, prophetic words. Listening to a friend of mine, a pastor, preacher, known him for a long time. And he said this, The place of your adversity is the prophecy of your breakthrough. The only reason you might be tired, overwhelmed, discombobulated, distant is because at this moment in history, the Lord has something wonderful for you. And if you don't believe it, go back and listen to the last few weeks on this psalm. And in that place, that is where the power comes upon us. So there has to be a moment, there has to be something at stake here. And the best analogy I've used, is, it's the one I come up with the most, is I do picture my grandchildren, I'm looking forward to them. That day is getting nearer, I hope. My kids are both getting married next year, to my two eldest. And I do imagine them, one day, my grandchildren grown up, and this is my best attempt to try and describe what this moment in history has to be for us, and certainly for me. And they say, Grandad, tell me about COVID. But I want them to be followers of Jesus. And I want that question not to be, what was lockdown like? We'll tell them that, yeah? I remember that day when I went out. And it was like Christmas, but it was in May. (laughs) Where is everybody? Yeah? You remember those days? I'll tell them all of that. But what I want to do is have them say, Grandad, tell me what God did. Tell me again the stories. Do you know God's people have stories in history at moments like this. When they seize them and take hold of them. And I don't want my story to be, I missed it. I waited till it was all over. It passed me by. That's what's at stake for us as God's people. In this moment. Do any of you feel that? Believe that. Maybe something's stirring in you. And I do think, as I try to understand Lord, the question, Lord, why is this happening? That we have shielded our lives with busyness and comfort for too long. And the Lord, do you remember that in Psalm? The Psalm 23, the Lord. He's the Lord, not us. The Lord and his world has decided to let this happen because it's his world and not ours. And our worlds have been turned upside down. Because He is Lord. And COVID has revealed the best and worst about us, hasn't it? And as we've been going through Psalm 23, COVID has revealed our I'm trying to think of the word, our sheepiness. Is that a word? Sheepiness. Sheepness? Sheepness. And we had to learn that from this psalm, that one of the primary descriptions for God's followers, His people, is sheep. And how sheep left to their own devices are utterly destructive. But sheep, when they follow the good shepherd, who is Jesus, have a very different life. So, um, Isaiah 53 verse 6. I've read this every week that I've been speaking. We like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, I have found a sheep video for you. Very short. Want you to watch it, and in this, you see demonstrated superbly what Psalm 23 is talking about. And our primers, but it's in. Uh, there's no sound as, as you watch this. It was sent to me as a gift by my daughter, and I managed to track the video down. So a farmer's son rescues a sheep, and see how the sheep responds to being rescued. can you play it again Dave it really is too good isn't it the sheep is rescued he runs away I've watched it about a hundred times it's just it's like Lord that's us you rescue us and then we run away and then we need rescuing again and again and again and again Um, let me read to you um, a different version of psalm 23 by louis giglio it's in a book called don't give the enemy a seat at your table it's based on verse uh, 5 in psalm 23 i am my own shepherd and i'm a mess. I don't have everything I need, that's for sure. I wouldn't know still water if it was staring right at me. I haven't taken a rest in a green pasture for quite a while now. I don't walk along paths of righteousness, but I know what fear and evil are. I seek comfort wherever I can get it. I can't stand my enemies, I want to hurt them. My cup definitely overflows. I'm full of angst, consumed by anger and sorrow and rage. I'm so full, I easily spill over. I'm packed so tight, it doesn't take much for me to explode. I don't know what's going to follow me all the days of my life, but I can tell you this one thing. My soul? Not so great. There's different versions of that. You can look up online and find um, I am my own shepherd. So, sheep. Sheep. Where's my timer? There we are. I think God is looking for people who will be his sheep and be led by him. That's it. That's what this whole psalm has been about. Do we want him to be our shepherd? Do we want to be sheep who follow him and receive all the benefits that he has for us? And it might be good before we... Because I'm only going to share two very short things about this last verse. I wanted to dwell here and recap the highlights of Psalm 23. And if you've missed them, you can go back and catch this all up online. But any of you remember these? The Lord That's where the psalm begins. Not our work, not our family, not our past, not our health not our struggles but God the Lord for that to be decided for the thing that is in charge of our lives from beginning and to its end to be the Lord not busyness but him to lack nothing we looked at that didn't we that to follow Jesus is not to have discomfort and troubles, because it is to have those, but it is to lack nothing. Because when we follow someone we love, we will go through anything for them. To be so consumed with love for him that we know we lack nothing. And then freedoms, the freedoms that come from the good shepherd, from fear, from torment, from friction, for the envy and the disappointments of life, to be restored from being downcast. Do you remember that image? The downcast sheep that the shepherd picks up and massages their legs gently and whispers in their ears his care for them until they can stand on their own and run off and jump in another hole. (laughs) To be able to embrace adversity Jesus said if anyone would follow after him we must pick up our cross. Not comfortable life, our cross. To follow him into adversity of the kingdom because when we do something is activated in our lives that that is the root as we saw in the psalm the value of the shadow of death to food and water and ultimately to the table that he's prepared for us and that there is protection and intimacy with the shepherd the rod of protection the staff of closeness and the table in the midst of adversity the table of God's presence has always been and is right now in the midst of adversity, not in the midst of comfort and ease. The table. Do you know when I name these words, busyness, illness, anxiety, loss, disappointment, fear, can any of you feel that around us? Has anyone put the news on this week? You're avoiding it, aren't you? How many of you are not watching the news anymore? Do you feel the ferment building up in our world? We're told in Ephesians that Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And he has in moments like this. God gives him latitude. And he is extant. It is febrile. It's, you can feel it. And there is no neutral space, by the way. We can't hide until it's all over. Jesus tells us, scripture tells us, there is a battle between that kingdom and God's. And we need to choose where we, if we want to live in that one or this one. When I said, can you feel that? And lots of you were nodding. Any of you tired of it? Anybody want to be, anyone ready to be free of that? And to have the good shepherd care for them? And this is what the Lord does when we have his table. In the midst of, sorry, I'm going back to Brian's talk last week. In the midst of all of that around us, God then puts out a table for us and he says, and he calls you by name and he says, please sit down. Really, Lord? But there's all this going on. He says, yeah, I know. You're safe here with me. Sit with me. that's a that's the first of three things it's the longest thing i'm sharing with you this morning we're going to have some ministry now i felt god tell us to start here with prayer the lord is here in his might and his power for us um ephesians 1 19. i think we've got that haven't we guys to go up on the screen Paul, praying for the Ephesians, praying that the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which he has called them, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. That's what's available to us. And I believe at this moment in history, with all we've been through, this is our inheritance. This is what is available to us. I walked around the building to pray. I do it every Sunday for the last few weeks. And I pray before the service. Pray for you. Pray for people that come here. And one of my prayers this morning was, Lord, Lord I said, I've had enough. I've had enough of the enemy. I've had enough of the... Things that he has stirred up. Lord now's time. Stretch out your hand. The inheritance that we have from you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Will you manifest that now? Yes. Nearly got an amen then didn't I? <laughs> Can you feel it? It's the kingdom of God. Jesus said that moments like this. The kingdom of God is at hand. is at hand at the minute what can you not overcome what fear what apathy what loss what tiredness what indifference what what struggle in the present from the past because his power can set you free from it and deliver us his power is not turned away from us in adversity the adversity we face is because his mighty hand is stretched out upon us God, you are greater than any problem I face. One of the things I've been praying and sharing with you for the last year and a half is about the windows of heaven that would be opened over us. Remember that word? That God had let things be closed and we weren't able to meet, but it's like we were suffocating, but we were being superheated. The enemy wants to snuff the church out, but God is superheating his people, ready to open the windows and let the air in, and then oxygen brings an ignition. And you and I, it's time to open the windows. God opens the windows, but we can as well. We open the windows every time we turn to the Good Shepherd, every time we say, you are my Lord, and God is going to open the windows over us. We are in warfare. There is no neutral ground. Here's another word I feel God's given us. Some of you have picked up lodges in the last year and a half in your life. Things that have just moved in. Into your emotions. I can see some of you laughing. (laughs) I don't mean real lodgers. (laughs) You might pick those up too. I got some of those. In the last year. Covid lodgers. Things that squat in your life. And take possession of you emotionally and spiritually. And God's going to release us from those strongholds. If we want him to. Second thing. Oh no, I said I'd pray. We're going to pray now. So, let's pray. Lord, we lean into that place where there was a murmur here in this room. There was an amen. I said a couple of weeks ago I wanted to give you permission. As you start to feel the Lord do things in you today and the next few weeks, lean into it. If it's in silence in your heart and you're moved by the Lord, wonderful. But if you need to say amen, say amen. If you need to stretch your hands out, stretch them out. If you need to kneel, kneel. Now is the time. The sheep run after the good shepherd. Lord, would you release us to be your people? We have been bound up for too long. Bound up in busyness. Bound up in comfort. Bound up in disappointment. Lord, release us. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus, Sataras Come, Lord. Some of you, the Lord has a real blessing for you this morning. He has a, he has a release for you. In this place, angels stand around us as we worship. Do you know that? Heaven is open over us. Jesus is here. And we take captive the things that have taken hold of you. Squatting the lodges. And we tell them to go in the name of Jesus. We send them away from you. Good shepherd, move amongst us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Jesus. and i repeat that word over you that my i heard my friend in a podcast praying over his church that the place of your adversity is the prophecy of your blessing and your destiny lord release us release us into what you have for us at this time amen so to if you were on the fill-in handout notes, that was number one. How was your research going? Number two: who and what are you following? This whole psalm. This whole psalm from beginning to end, tells one continuous story that sheep who look for the shepherd and stay with the shepherd have the experience of God that God has for us. Have we got that yet? Do you remember every problem that happens once the shepherd appears things get better when the sheep get close to the shepherd things get better when the shepherd is away on the sheep run away things get worse and we get to this this lovely verse near the end as if the psalmist is trying to say look do we get this about the relationship with the shepherd and the blessing that comes from him and we get to this bit where he says surely after all of that Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, because of all of this, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I tell you what, I'm talking to my—it was lovely to talk to my cousin yesterday. My uncle Peter, ninety-three, and his last words to my cousin. My cousin's still a Christian, and my uncle Peter's been a Christian his whole life. I was thinking, ninety-three—that means he was like really old, wasn't he? No born in like 1928 or something. Imagine he was a teenager in the Second World War. And he was an engineer at Vauxhall and um, a designer. And he refused to be a Freemason and was blackballed and unable to get work and was an evangelical brethren. He was one of the few Christians in my family. And and I'm a Christian through him and my Auntie Betty ultimately. And there's another family member that I met just before lockdown who found me through. You know that um, DNA thing you can do? Not the one the police do with you, the other one. um, Not Interpol, sorry. Ancestry! And contacted me and found out that I had a second cousin. And she's in her 60s, and she, and Bev and I went to visit. We went in the house, and there are Bible verses in the toilet. And I came and I said, I think they're Christians. (laughs) It was a bit of a giveaway, wasn't it? (laughs) Then she told me her testimony, my Uncle Peter and Auntie Betty. My Auntie Betty had invited her to church. My Auntie Betty rang her friend who invited my mother and me to church. This is this, this is the, by the way, we get to Alpha next week, invitation changes lives forever. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my Uncle Peter and my Auntie Betty. My Uncle Peter, and his last words with my cousin, he said, I spoke to him the other day in the hospital, and he said, I've had such a blessed life. He says, but I'm ready. I'm ready to go to Betty, his wife. He said, and I'm ready to see Andrew, one of his sons who died. And I thought again, there it is. A man who knows surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life and now I'm ready to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an inheritance to give his children and his nephew. (laughs) So this whole psalm that there is blessing that follows us if we remain close to the shepherd but again do you remember the image of the sheep please don't for, you won't forget that image will you <laughs> but we panic and we bolt and we refuse to go through the valley of the shadow of death and the risks and the adversity and we leave the shepherd's care and we think we can deal with things through denial and hiding hoping that we can just stay where we are and everything will be okay but it's not we have to follow the shepherd But um, I've recommended the book by Philip Keller, the commentary on this book. Um, And he reveals something that shepherds know. There is another meaning to this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. See if you can bear with me. It's not just about angels coming after us and blessing us. But remember the image is sheep. A shepherd reading this passage knows that sheep leave things behind them. Two things that sheep do where they have been. They eat And by the way, they eat thistles and poisonous things. So one of the good things about sheep and grazing is they can turn somewhere that's poisonous into somewhere that's not poisonous. And the other thing they do is they poop. And they fertilize where they are. And a shepherd knows that, again, we've looked at earlier on this arm. if you leave the sheep where they are, they will then destroy where they are. They'll absolutely destroy it, they have to be moved on. But once a sheep is moved on, the shepherd knows that in his cycle for a year, that when they come back round to that place, guess what's going to be there? This place is going to be better. It will have spent a year growing, being, having been manured and detoxified. Other sheep coming through can be blessed. You'll never read that passage in Psalm 23 the same way. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, do you and I leave where we are better than it was before we got there? Do we? Are we leaving things better for others or are we focused on our own food? And especially at a time like this, if ever we were before COVID so busy that we didn't have time for anything else other than to get to work and come home, now is the time... To let goodness and mercy follow us and leave where we are better. What trails behind you? I wondered this about me. It would be a good question to ask your family members, wouldn't it? What do I leave in my wake behind me? Some of you are laughing nervously. What do you leave behind you? Is it turmoil? Distress, fear, anger, disappointment, sadness? Or is it goodness and mercy? Does goodness and mercy follow you? I'd like you right now to think of somebody that you know. Maybe in this church community. Who you know is a good sheep who is close to Jesus. Can you think of someone right now? Are you thinking of someone? I hope you can think of someone, or make up someone. Right. What do they leave behind them when you've been in their presence? Do they leave turmoil and despair? Or do they leave hope and faith and the presence of God? What do they leave behind them? See, I've started to go through the people I know who I think are closer to Jesus than me. And every time I'm in their presence... They leave goodness and mercy for me. And the sheep that aren't following Jesus leave other stuff behind. Some of you are already thinking about the mess you have to clean up from some of your friends, don't you? And here's the word diagnostic. You know I like using that word. These last few months, these last few weeks... What sheep have you been following? The choice isn't whether you're a sheep or not. The only choice we have is what kind of sheep we are and who our shepherd is. Where has our attention been? Where's your attention been? Where has your physical presence been as you've come out of COVID? And has any of it been spent in places for goodness and mercy to catch up to you? The good shepherd is ready to bless you. So last bit on this. I've been talking to some of you, some of you really enjoying this series and getting close to the Lord and some of you have been disturbed by this series because it's made you realise how far you are from him. Um, And I want to reassure you about something. You can't know that you're not close to the Lord without him revealing that you're not close to the Lord. Did you know that? If you didn't care at all, that's when you should be worried, but you wouldn't be worried. (laughs) that's a sign when things have really gone wrong but if you feel the gap between you and the good shepherd the only reason you can discern that is because by his spirit and in his grace he's saying to you i want to be your shepherd and i'm not and i can be so don't be disappointed with yourself that's what the enemy does he is telling so many lies at the minute about who you are and your future Including that one, that you're not good enough. And some of you are coming through Psalm 23 believing the lie that you are the worst of sheep. That God has no love and care and interest for you. And that is a lie from Satan himself. There is no way you can go, scripture says, that God cannot find you and Jesus will not come to you and will not lift you up. But this is... This is the most simple thing I can suggest to you. I've suggested it through this series. If, you want, if you're feeling close to Jesus and want to get closer to him, if you are far from him and wanting to get close to him but don't know how, have you ever felt that? I don't know where to pray. I don't know where to read my Bible. I don't know what to do. It is really simple. Find a sheep that is close to Jesus. Do any of you know a sheep that is closer to Jesus than you? Start there. There's a lot of nods there. Does anyone know someone who is closer to Jesus than you? I hope you do. Go and hang out with them. And then it all happens. It's the power of this psalm. Ultimately is this. You don't have to be smart or clever. Remember we're sheep. You don't need to know your Bible well. Do you know the early church never even had a Bible? Did you know that? New Testament wasn't written for decades. The only thing they had was Jesus and the shepherd and each other. So if you want to get close to the shepherd, you only have to do one thing when you leave here from this series. Find someone closer to the shepherd and follow them and they will lead you into goodness and mercy. Guaranteed. Which is why if you're not in a small group, you need to be in one. Who do you spend your time with? Find some sheep close to Jesus. Last one. Home is where the heart is. Where's your heart? Verse 1 began, the Lord is, didn't it? The Lord. And this is where the psalmist finishes. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The psalmist returns to this reality and the lordship of Jesus. And by the way, again, if you followed this psalm, the shepherd takes the sheep on a route and they, go th- they start down there, they go through the valley and they get up to the table and then they come back down and then in the winter, they come back to where they are kept in the winter and safe and secure. And this is the end of the psalm before the cycle repeats again through spring and to move off with the shepherd. And they return to the house that the shepherd has prepared for them, the base where they are fed and protected Philip Keller's got some lovely images of how shepherds keep sheep that are freezing cold in the winter warm and they mix things like brandy and wine with water and and pour it in them and rub them. Exhausting work for the shepherd. And he talks about the joy he had as a shepherd watching young sheep who are freezing suddenly get a shot of cognac and water and warm up and be, you know, close to him. And he'd be going, you're going to be all right. how much time it took him to do that, to go round. What beautiful image. And he said in that moment, realising that's the tender care that Jesus offers to us. Back home with him. And this is where I want us to finish. The end of this psalm This psalm is often read at funerals. I've mentioned that before. It's usually brought out at a funeral to talk about the the valley of the shadow of death and, and surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But this psalm is not, this psalm is not only about death. It's about life. Now. Some of you believe that. I'm constantly amazed how some people go through life ignoring God and hope it all works out in the end that after a life of not following the good shepherd somehow when I die that Psalm 23 might kick in whereas we're invited to experience this Every single year that we live, through spring, through the valley, to the table, to the mountain, to back down for the winter, to go through life with the Good Shepherd again and again and again and again, until, like my uncle Peter, he could be on the phone just before he dies and say, I'm ready. He was ready to go to the house of the Lord because he spent 90 years living in the house of the Lord. Anybody here want to live in the house of the Lord?